Today's podcast is brought to you by TheEngagedInvestor.ca, helping you find and present to joint venture partners. Get your free video training right now at EngagedInvestor.ca forward slash breakthrough. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 25. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me is the one and only Sandy Mackay. Hey Rob, <laughs> uh, excited to be here tonight. We got a great guest coming up too, so um, it's going to be a great show. I'm pumped. Yeah. It is. And uh, what was that at the beginning of the show? Did you hear that? What was it? That uh, it was like, I don't know, it sounded oh, like yeah. a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. What does that mean? We're growing, I guess? I like it. It is a, it's, not only is it a cool commercial, but yeah, maybe it is a sign that we're growing. I don't know. It's a great commercial. Um, it's a great endorsement for a great, really something we really enjoy. We had him as a guest be a few episodes back. I think it's episode 20, uh, Joey Ragona. So great guest, great service he's got there for you. And obviously want to encourage people to check him out. So we encourage everybody to go and download our free gift, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. Like we said, it's a free gift, and it's going to teach you how to manage your properties better. It's going to teach you how to make more money. It's going to teach you how to be a better real estate investor, a better property manager. It's going to teach you everything you need to know. Maybe not everything you need to know, but it's a good start. And it'll really give you a lot of time back. Yeah, that's the goal right there, right? Get mm -hmm. your time back. Um, learn how to manage your properties better. And that's what that does. The seven freedom activators you can trigger in your property starting right now. That is our free gift to you. If you just go over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca, and you can pick that up as well as looking at all the articles that we have on there, all the blog posts, bios, and links to our services and all kinds of other different interesting things. And we are in the process of revamping the website, so look forward to that soon. A whole, you know, ex I'm I'm excited about it. It's well, I've seen the preview and it looks really cool, and it's just a, a fresh new site. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be everything that everyone's looking for, and it'll just be a little bit easier to navigate, a little bit a little bit flashier, and and you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, for sure. It's going to be really cool. That's going to be coming soon. I mean, as always, we want to encourage everyone to go give us a review, like, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a positive review, five stars, of course. Tell us what kind of show you want to hear. Give us some feedback. Give us some ideas. You know, we've had a, a bunch of feedback in the last little bit here asking for, for different things on the show. And, you know, Rob and I are working hard to actually to bring that to you. So, if there's anything anyone wants to hear um, or you're needing advice on a certain aspect of the real estate business, certainly send us an email and uh, or leave us a review, comment on the episode, whatever it is, and we'll do our best to get that info for you. Yeah, if you have any questions for us or um, just in general things that you would like to hear or people that you would like to hear on the show, yeah, definitely go there and let us know. Mm -hmm. Now... Sandy, we always endorse Audible as something that people should check out. I mean, it's a really great way of getting some education. It's a really great way of listening to your books instead of reading them. If you're a busy person on the road, we recommend that everybody go to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca slash Audible free trial. And if you do that, you can get a free month of Audible listening pleasure. So everyone should check that out too. So I have something that I wanted to talk about, Sandy, and it's a it's a little bit of an interesting opportunity for new investors out there who want to take the jump, but maybe 
for they want some support, you know, in their first deal or the first couple of deals. So what I'm offering. So if there's any new investors out there who want to take the jump into real estate investing, but maybe they just want a little bit of support for their first deal or their first couple of deals. I'm offering a, sort of a buy, fix and refi education from beginning to end. So what we would do is we would start with how to purchase the right property at the right price, right, Sandy? For the ones that to put a basement suite in and legalize that basement suite, you got to have a specific type of property that fits all the criteria. So we would go through how to purchase the right property and how we market for these type of properties, the negotiations that we go through with the sellers. And we would even hook you up with our professionals, the mortgage agents like Dion, who we had on a, a little while back, and our other connections that we have in the business and make sure that everything fits the criteria and to add the second suite, like I said, with the city guidelines and the fire code regulations, then we would walk through the renovation process. And Oshawa is an awesome market for that, by the way. That's the best, probably the best market in the GTA right now to be, to be doing that. Right now is prime time. Well, you've only got the, what is it, a two-year window? Right now it's a two-year window. We're hoping to get that extended. Uh, I was talking to Michael Dominguez, who we've had on the show before, and he is working with the city right now to try and get that extended. So we'll see how that works out. That'll mm -hmm. be um, hopefully he hopefully we we make some headway there because I think it's a really cool opportunity that we have. So it'd be nice to see it stretch out a little bit further anyway. And then what we want to do with people is. Like I said, walk through the renovation process from beginning to end, you know, show them what like so based on whatever area we're in, what level to fix the property up to and all of the steps that it takes to put that second legal suite into place and then learn our property management procedures and how we make the most out of our rental units and how we get great cash flow every month. So also we would go through the refinance procedures too, because that's a very important thing. And, you know, hopefully pull out most, if not all of our money back out like we did on ours, Sandy. That would be good. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, I really do think there's some real value here, especially for people who are just getting started. And if anyone would like to learn more, just get in touch with me at rob at breakthroughpropertyinvestments.ca. Awesome. And um, obviously, pretty good opportunity, I think, for anyone who wants to learn ins and outs of especially that specific strategy. Although, really, I think you could pick up a lot of ideas for any strategy, really. There's no way you can argue or anyone can argue that it doesn't just beat the heck out of just buying a property off of MLS and renting it out. You know, that that's a typical buy and hold strategy. This blows it out of the water. Yeah, There's just no comparison. I'm not saying that. I mean, you could still, you could probably find deals on MLS to do this with too, but it definitely the buy, fix, refi strategy is very powerful. So, you know, that's what I would recommend. If you can leverage my knowledge and learn and still get half of a great cash flowing duplex, then why not? Mm -hmm. Half of, and they're probably going to make more than they would on their own, typically. Typically, if you're buying the right way, then yeah, that's that's a good possibility. I mean, let's say you're putting twenty thousand dollars down at the end of the deal instead of seventy or eighty thousand dollars down, which is what most places around here would require as a down payment, you know, with the legal fees and land transfer and all that. So, yeah, it's a good deal. And anyone who's interested, get in touch with me, Rob at BreakthroughPropertyInvestments.ca. All right, what else are we going to talk about? Well, I thought we'd get right into our interview. Okay. So coming up, we have Jillian Irving from investinstudentrentals.com. She had a whole bunch of really cool stuff to tell us last time we had her on, which was just a really short, like, 10-minute interview that we did with her for the Toronto Investor Forum episode that we had a little while back. She was great. And it's just really good to get some more in-depth information because it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to do anything but just just get a general idea when you're doing such a short interview. So we really wanted to have her back, and we we're glad to have her back again 
tonight. And coming up in our interview with Jillian Irving, she's going to share with us how to go about avoiding owning the party house on campus. I know that's some a lot of people's uh, biggest fear in owning student rental properties. She's going to share with us her must-have clauses for your student rental lease agreements. I think those are really vital points there. And last but not least, she's going to give us her best piece of advice that she's ever gotten about real estate investing. And she's even going to give you an opportunity to take her up on that advice right here today. So everyone, sit back and enjoy this great interview with Jillian Irving. With us today, we have Jillian Irving from investinstudentrentals.com. Back on episode 21, we sort of scratched the surface with a really short interview on our Toronto Investor Forum episode. But tonight, Jillian's here to share all of her best info with us. And uh, uh, we got to meet again at the Investor Forum. Jillian, what, what, welcome. And what did you yeah. think of the Investor Forum? Oh, it was such a great event. Uh, you know, it was really great uh, to be on stage, to share the stage with so many fantastic people. I thought the energy was just electric. People were so jazzed up. And um, I just always love being in a room full of people who have the same interests and passions as me. It was a great weekend. Loved it. I thought so, too. It was awesome. <clears throat> what? It, and you, you were there, Sandy? I was there. Yeah, I made a um, appearance. Well, um, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I've been there for the last few years, so cool. It's always a good time. Okay, I was gonna say I shook your hand as you were coming in, and I was walking out pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, I think I remember something like that. Okay, well, Jillian, um, we'll we'll just jump into it, and and this is cool because like last time we just did scratch the surface, so we're hoping that you. We've went through this already, so I know that you're going to get in depth and share a lot of info with people out there who are interested in student rentals. So what sparked your interest in real estate investing, first of all? Uh, how did you get started with with that? Well, you know, I think like a lot of people, I was, you know, really hit by that economic downturn that happened in 2009. You know, I just remember watching my my savings and my kids' RESPs just get so badly hit. And I felt this powerlessness to control any of it. I just kept thinking there was this, like, nameless, faceless CEO somewhere that was somehow in charge of my financial future, and it just filled me with this great discomfort. So, you know, I know a lot of people worry about their financial future, and I'm not really any different from them in any sense, except for <clears throat> I have one child who has a really serious disability um, that might affect his ability to support himself financially when he's older. So... You know, I just know that I don't want my other kids to have to be responsible for him in that way. So, you know, we just got really determined to change how we looked at our finances and real estate <clears throat> emerged pretty quickly as an answer to that. So need sparked my interest in the beginning. Um, and then in terms of how I got started, well, <laughs> I think I sort of got started by luck, actually. Um, I went out for a run one day in 2009 and I... I ran past this really beautiful duplex in this really desirable part of Toronto. And I came home and I told my husband that we were buying a house. <laughs> and I still laugh when I think of his face. He's like, what happened? Like, you just went running for 45 minutes. So that's how we got started. Okay, was the house for sale, or did you just decide this is the one and knock no, on the door or something? Yeah, like and that. I was running past it, and it just felt like all the stars were aligning, pointing to this house. And like, you know what? It was a different route from where I normally went to my running route, and I went into this really great neighborhood, and I ran right past this beautiful place. And like, I want that house. That's very that. interesting. So there was no, <laughs> there was no bug in you or anything to begin with. Nothing well, like I mean, that. It's just. There was, in a sense, like I'd read enough to know that um, real estate was something that appealed to me. You know, I just got really excited about that notion that someone else could pay off your mortgage for you um, while you might be left with a few shekels in your pocket at the end of the month. So I, I, I knew enough to know it was a great idea. And then when I ran past that house, I was like, I want that house. And it's in such a beautiful location. And then it turned out that the numbers worked and all of that. But it was really... Um, it was kind of a bit of luck and a bit of a whim and a, just a seed of knowledge was how I got started. So you did end up buying that house then? We did. We did. 
Very awesome. cool. Mm-hmm. Do you put an offer in like that day? Because to get number or something where the numbers work in uh, Toronto would be tough. Well, you know what? But again, it was right. It was right at the time when the markets went crazy bananas. Right? right? So people were yeah. just full of fear. Right? No one was spending yeah. anything. People were. There's this huge lack mentality. Right? That money was gone and gone forever, and you're never going to get it back. So people weren't out shopping. Yeah. So I was like this lone, this lone ranger out there looking to buy a house. Anyway, it was just, it was a really interesting series of events that, that led to that day. And, um, and I'm really grateful for it because it was the beginning of this kind of sort of epic journey for me. Yeah. And I'll bet that place looks really good on paper now. (laughs) Yes, indeed. 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 Now, do you use that as a student rental or is that one of the ones that. way We do not use that as a student rental. Okay. <laughs> too nice. Is that what you're? Too nice. Oh, okay. Nice. And the rents are too expensive, right? So to make yeah. that to make that place work, um, you know, it's really a plus plus Toronto clients who who can afford to rent there. Um, but as I say, it really was the starting point to my whole student rental um, life. So I mean, it really was a stepping stone that made me decide to focus on, on student rentals. Okay, you are a student rental expert. That's why you were speaking at the Investor Forum. And why did you decide to focus on student rentals instead of just sticking with the traditional one like the first one that you bought? Right, so so this is the thing. So as you know, I bought that house um, and we didn't really do much for a couple of years. Um, and then there was this huge run up in appreciation um, that you know a lot of us who are invested in great markets like Toronto really got to benefit from. So, you know, I say all of a sudden, but after a couple of years, we had access to quite a lot of equity. And I thought, wow, if I was lucky enough to do so well without a ton of knowledge, what would happen if I actually became a really serious student of real estate? Because I knew I had to be really careful about these funds, right? Like I have this family and the special needs child who I have to look after. And I knew I had to steward those funds carefully. And I wanted to be really deliberate. So I read a ton of books and I went to seminars and I went to meetups and forums and I listened to podcasts. And most importantly, I hired a coach for myself. Um, And I developed this philosophy kind of early on and with my real estate coach as well that, you know, you have to find a strategy that fits with your life, right? Not fights with your life. And so with my research and my coach, together we worked out that student rentals actually fit with my life perfectly, right? So, so for example, you know, it was clear like back in those days, like back in 2010 or back in those days, you know, <clears throat> I was working full time, I have four kids and it was obvious that I just didn't have enough hours in a day to say manage a really time intensive buy, fix, flip strategy, right? So, and like the thought of searching for renters, hiring cleaners, counting, itemizing contents of a unit was, you know, just filled me with dread. So I knew I couldn't do something like executive rentals, for example. But, you know, as I was going through all the literature and like looking at all these different strategies, it just became really clear to me that student rentals, when paired with a really, really great property manager, is just ideal for me because it's not a huge time sucker and it has great cash flow. So that's how come I landed on student rentals. And I'm just going to ask you now, then you said really great property manager. Did that take you a long time to find somebody who was, uh, who fit that (laughs) criteria? Yeah. And it's hard and, you know, it's always a work in progress, right? So, you know, I think as I get more and more expert and as my business gets bigger and better, I'm getting a little bit more particular about, uh, who I want and the skill sets that I want. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's hard to find great property management for sure. But there are out there. I mean, there's phenomenal student rental property managers out there, but you have to look for them. Mm-hmm. How did you find uh, end up finding the one that you use now, or how did you find your first one, property um, manager? So I actually have a couple that I use now, um, and you know, it it really is. It really has to do with just you know focusing on in on the area where you're working, and it's a lot of word of mouth, right? I mean, you have mm-hmm. to go through a lot of people, you have to interview a lot of people, you have to talk to other investors out there and see who they're using and make sure that they are satisfied with them. So it's just, it's homework, right? Yeah. 
Right. And so for those people out there who uh, don't have any experience with student rentals, can you give us an overview briefly on how the business really works? So so it's dead easy. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Really, the, the, the most basic business principle with this is that you're buying properties in close proximity to universities or colleges, and you fix them up with like a particular look and feel. So you want to maximize the number of bedrooms, for example. You don't want to overstuff them, but you don't want to understuff them either. You fix them up so that they're the nicest ones out there. And then you rent them out to individual students, right, who are attending that yeah. university. And that's pretty much it. So you just have to buy the right house that has enough or plenty of rooms. And it has to be either really close to the university or college or on a transit line that makes access to that university really easy. And that's it. Like That's the basic principle of the business. And I guess, like you said, though, there is different um, amounts of rooms that that sort of each city has, um, sort of each bylaw for each city mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. have allowing for student rentals. So they would have to check and see how many it is because you could buy a really huge house. Maybe it'll fit however many rooms, but there might be a you, you have to just go with what the city code will allow. Absolutely. And, you know, that is probably the first piece of homework anyone needs to do if they want to invest in student rentals is to make sure that you understand the city bylaws in which you want to invest. So there are some jurisdictions that will say, I'm sorry, you're only allowed to put four people in this house. And there are other jurisdictions that say, that's okay, you can put seven. And so you really need to know, um, you really need to know that and understand that because it would be, um, a really big disaster if you bought a house hoping to put seven people in it and three of your rooms got shut down by the city, mm-hmm. right? So that's the first piece of homework that you need to do before you buy a student rental. So what are the big pros of student rentals, maybe compared to your typical <laughs> rental, like your duplex, for example? What would be a pro in going the student rental route? Obviously, in my opinion, in my I don't own student rentals, but my thought is just basically cash flow. Okay, so... I love this question because there, there are actually so many pros to the strategy. So, I mean, yes, number one is the cash flow in my estimation. And, and really that's just, just because you're renting by the room, not by the house. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for example, we have a house in a college town that's right across the street from the, from the school. Um, and if we rented that house to a single family, we could probably get, I don't know, about 1600 bucks a month in rent. But because we rent out each of the six rooms to individual students at $500 a piece, we collect $3,000 a month. So all of that extra rental income translates directly into improved cash flow into my pockets at the end of the month. So, so yes, I would say for sure the number one pro of student rentals is the cash flow. The second one is what I call rent security. And I'm sure your listeners are thinking that I must have just misspoken. I mean, how can you possibly have improved rent security with students? Like, aren't they the guys who are guzzling away their rent money every month? (laughs) But but nowadays, parents can and they do co-sign lease agreements. So in the unfortunate event that your tenant decides they don't want to pay or they spent their money on, you know, beer or partying or whatever, or they just didn't budget properly, you phone up mom and dad and you ask them to pay instead. So in effect, what this means is that, you know, you have two people who would potentially pay you your rent each month, which is a security mechanism that just doesn't exist in any, any other strategy in my mind, right? So I have recourse to get rent by two people. I should have thought of that when I was in college. Because if I could have spent all my money on <laughs> beer and you got beer your or whatever, yeah, and then have my parents pay the rent. <laughs> I, know, I didn't, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and then and then the last thing that I really like about student rentals and what I think is a great tick in the pro column is what I call vacancy security. So um, if you own a single family home, for example, and it's not rented, you know, you get nothing in terms of income that month, yet you are still 100% responsible for all the expenses, right? So that kind of thing keeps me up at night. What happens if you have an empty house for one month or two months or heaven forbid three months, right? But in student rentals, you can have a partial vacancy. So 
Um, now it's not ideal, but imagine you could have three students in a house instead of six. And while that's not perfect, at least those three students are going to cover your all important mortgage payment. So you can actually have partial vacancy. And so that kind of security mechanism really gives me kind of peace. So let's say you did have a partial vacancy. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I had a student rental in the past and, um, and I was lucky in that I did have certain people move out. So I had my May to May contract yeah. and, um, uh, I think it was August when mm-hmm. we moved out. So then it was ready for somebody else in September, which works out fine. Mm-hmm. And that was what happened in my case, but let's say it's, I don't know, November. Mm-hmm. then do you find it has that ever happened to you? Or is it hard to fill those rooms if, if it comes to the month like that? Look, I mean, of course there are timing issues when it comes to student rentals, but there are some interesting kind of secondary rental time. So, um, you know, if you want to rent in September, you often have tons of people and all sorts of students who are looking for your house. So you don't have problems filling in September, as you mentioned. But, you know, in January, there's also another little uptick in terms of rental opportunity because there's co-op programs that happen or people leave after Christmas exams. So I found, too, that filling a house in January um, can be pretty easy. Right. So, I mean, I had a house that closed in August and I was renovating it in October, November and was trying to fill it for December and January. And it was not that tricky a proposition. Mm-hmm. And so, now are the tenants on the hook because uh, they've got a year lease, right? So they're on the hook until they find somebody else or until you find somebody else. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if they're if they're breaking a lease, that's one thing. So they're they have to pay for the year whether they stay or not. Right. <clears throat> or unless they can fill that space themselves. Mm hmm. Okay, good. So, Jillian, what about risks? I guess we mentioned one there, you know, partial vacancies at different times. What about some of the other risks? I mean, obviously, the big one I think most people would think of is, you know, partiers, and people have seen movies like Animal House and that type of thing, probably nervous about being that party house. Right. What and other risks are there, and how, how, do you, how do you mitigate those? Well, you know... I think it's pretty funny. I think that the movie Animal House is really the elephant in the room. Whenever I talk to people about student rentals, they're like, <laughs> someone always brings that movie up. So, um, you know, so people I talk to about student rentals, many of them just sort of recoil in fear when I say rent house to students. And, you know, because there's these perceptions about how they behave and, you know, there's just a lot of, of expectation that, you know, when you put a house full of seven you know, 20 year olds together that some crazy stuff is going to go down. And, and it's true. So, or it can be true. And so I guess how I look at it is that you have to take steps to recognize what can happen uh, and then try to minimize the perceived risks as much as you can. So, but I actually think that's the easy part. So understanding what the risks could be taking steps to mitigate them. That's what you need to do in advance. So what I would say, the first thing to do, to get a handle on this risk is to get something um, called what I call a bulletproof lease. And so you just want to make sure that in your lease, there are a few really important clauses in here that will give you a big degree of security over those perceived risks that can happen with students. So for example, I mean, I can't go over every single clause I have in my lease because we would take up the whole show and it'd be a bit boring, but the, the yeah. first and most important clause that I have in my lease and I recommend to anyone who has student rentals <clears throat> is a clause that holds your tenants jointly and severally responsible for damages. Now, that means simply that, I don't know, if you have a party and someone throws the living room couch out the living room window like and onto the front lawn or... Um, destroy- that can happen. <laughs> it, it can happen, you know. As, as I think ever- I might have seen that happen once. Um you know, so if, if something like that happens and one tenant does not take responsibility, then everyone in the whole ha- house has to pay for that damage, right? So, I mean, it's really easy if the damage is localized to one person's bedroom. You're like, hey, you know, Susie, the door to your, you know, closet's broken. You have to pay for it. Well, that's pretty obvious. It's it's how to manage damage that happens in communal spaces where people are like, well, I don't know what happened. In cases like that, the whole house has to pay and 
that notion of having communal financial responsibility does quite a lot to do to keep people in check, right? Because, you know, people are sort of watching themselves and they're self-policing because, you know, you're going to say to your roommate, hey, like the last time we had a party, your three friends wrecked the place and I had to pay for it. So it actually helps keep some of the, the managing inside that house. And then it gives me really great recourse as a landlord to reach out and actually collect money from people if there are damages. And remember, we can also go to mom and dad, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy to do, but I mean, there's been different experiences. For example, my wife, when she was in college, first year, she stayed with college students and their parties consisted of trashing the couches, like you said, and and maybe holes in the wall and and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, she stayed with university students and their parties consisted of a dab of red wine being spilled on the floor or some some sushi possibly, uh, you know. (laughs) ending up in a corner somewhere not getting cleaned up Mm -hmm. uh you know and some ants get into it but um so and i would imagine like i can look back at this because i was there for both these things and uh and i can see the difference between them and how easy it would be to pick out one over the other Mm -hmm. so that's probably pretty helpful too for a property manager sure and you know we do other things too to sort of protect ourselves. So the one, so we, you know, we, we make sure that we have a good cleaning clause in our lease as well too. Um, you know, that it just allows us this degree of control over the cleanliness in the house. Now, you know, we don't need to make things to ensure that things are tidy. I mean, people can be messy. That's one thing, but we just want to protect against, you know, unsanitary, you know, like foul. (laughs) And so, um, if things get really disgusting, um, then we have the right, um, as part of these, to tell them they have to clean up the house to our satisfaction or we're going to send in a professional cleaning crew to do the job for them at their expense. You know, And it's really quite remarkable to see what happens when you tell students that you're going to take their beer money for cleaning. Like it pretty good. It gets them moving into action pretty clearly and pretty quickly. And, and you know, and they do clean up and and again, so, so, you know, we have clauses like that, but I would say probably the best thing, and you were alluding to this before, Rob, is, you know, to mitigate the risk, we really need to have, I mean, aside from, you know, specific aspects in our lease, we you really need to have um, a great property manager, right? So our property manager, the managers who I pick who are in my business are property managers who have a student-centric property management business, meaning their core business competency is managing student rentals, right? So, you know, my property managers get students. And, you know, one of my one of my property managers is called the party wrecker because he actually goes around and patrols on Friday and Saturday nights and, you know, breaks up parties if they get out of control. And, you know, it's not like I don't want kids at university to have fun. I had an amazing time at university and some great parties, but I just don't want these kids to wreck my house while they're doing it. And so, Yes, we're not watching and patrolling and policing every step they take, but you know it's amazing what happens when students know that the house they're living in is being monitored and watched over. So, mm-hmm. say that that property management piece is huge in all of this. I picture this guy that doesn't even uh, think of it as work. He's just out there, just just. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, one fist into an open palm the whole night walking around just... And they're like, oh my God, here comes, <laughs> you know, everyone go to bed. Anyway, so it's pretty funny, but he's a really important part of my team. And that's just a really important piece that, you know, cannot be overlooked is that you can have all the lease, um, you can have all the lease provisions you want in there. But if these kids feel like that they're being completely unsupervised and they can run, you know, total havoc over your house and they will right so it's just making sure that you have a presence and you know establish a a small degree of respect for the place where they're staying so that's one way of controlling tenant damage do you have any other way like i guess your lease and the uh clauses that you have in the lease Mm -hmm. and you know and and so again a lot of it comes down to you know you have to get in there i mean you might have the best property manager on prop on planet earth but you know if you do not get in there or he does not get in there you both do not get in there to inspect the place then stuff is going to get missed right you have to go in and supervise your own 
house and go and check for damages and make sure you're in there regularly. And then you have to conduct, you know, move in and move out inspections because like, otherwise, how are you going to know? Right. So, you know, you make your students sign a piece of paper, which outlines the condition of the space they are moving into. And they agree that it's in good condition. There's no, you know, you know, holes in the walls or, you know, scratches or dents or paint chipping or whatever. And then, you know, as they're moving out, you go around through, you know, you go through it with them and say, hey, wait a second here. Why is this broken? Why is this damaged? You guys are on the hook. So it's just about, you know, keeping track and 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 um, keeping good notes about the state of your rentals. You did touch on it a bit already. Mm-hmm. in the number of rooms that's the main issue that that you'd be allowed to put in but as far as the property itself goes what would you look for in in the perfect student rental uh the property itself um so so for me i i tech i typically go and look for houses that are within an easy walking distance to the college or the university you know i've got one place that's right across the street from a college um, or an easy bus ride, you know, on a direct bus is really helpful as well. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I mostly buy, well, that's not true. I mean, I, I look for houses that um, where I can maximize the number of rooms and it not feel overcrowded or overstuffed so the magic number i tend to look for in a house is either six or seven bedrooms so sometimes that means i have to buy a house and put you know bedrooms in the basement um and i i will do that you know to try to maximize the the number of students i can get in there but you know really my my goal as a student rental investor is to have properties that really stand out from the rest so i'm not interested in any way shape or form in being a slum landlord like i would rather have a house that like knocks it out of the park and is fabulous looking and is well appointed um so that you know when parents walk in with their kids because parents are kind of your clients now right they're coming with their children everywhere and they're looking at where their kids are staying and so um i i try um and my goal is to have houses that are really beautiful nice houses that are going to attract the kind of tenants that i want and are there any student specific features that you would add to a house before you rented it out to the students um, you know, you've got to, well, so, I mean, having internet, so I haven't done it to all my houses, but I think now it's sort of moving towards the, the direction that everyone wants their, each room to have, um, an internet connection in their room. So not just Wi-Fi, but hardwired internet, um, you know, kids don't want to have to have coin laundry, so it needs to have, you know, laundry on site. Um, if there's lots of students, you know, you might consider having a kitchenette in the basement, you know, so that these kids don't, don't all have to cram into one kitchen in the morning to make their breakfast. So that, that kind of stuff. If you okay. really want to make sure <clears throat> that them and that they can feel comfortable living. So you have to have enough bathrooms for seven students, you know, is that cutting out on your side, Sandy? No, I think it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what about like, do you furnish the, any part of the house? You know, it's a really great question, Rob, before I, I, I'd never did. Um, but this business is getting really competitive, right? So, um, and, and, and the students are getting more demanding in terms of what they want. So more and more now I will, it's not that I furnish the whole house, but I'll say there's, you know, there's a couch, um, and, a you know, table and a chair in the, in the living room. You know, I sat on milk crates for God's sake and picked my furniture out of, you know, I picked my, I remember picking up a couch, like every time we'd go out on, you know, garbage day and someone had a couch, like, Hey, we got a new couch, but students these days, they want, you know, nicer things. So I would say the trend is moving towards at least having some living room furniture that's there already. And again, since I want to attract students who walk in and go, wow, this is really my home away from home, I'm prepared to to pay an extra few hundred bucks to to make it look nice, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? I did the same thing when I was in a student rental when I was going to school. I went out and 
to the used furniture store and bought a $30 couch and brought it back because there was nothing in there. But yeah, I, like, when I when I had mine, I, I furnished it with couches and a coffee table and put a TV in there for them. And I mean, now, so it's, so it is so true because also what I'm finding now is like my tenants want me to, well, when I rented, I, I cut the lawn. I didn't ask my landlord to provide me a lawnmower, but I'm finding that more and more now that I'm getting requests. Hey, you know, can you buy us a lawnmower? Can you upkeep the lawnmower? all this kind of stuff that I would never have dreamed of asking my landlord for when I was renting. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I I don't suggest that you buy everything that they ask for necessarily, but it really is a business decision at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, knowing what your competition is doing, knowing what is out there in terms of other rentals, you know, if every other street, every other house on the street has a really nice living room and yours has the milk crate, well, what house do you think they're going to rent? So, Mm. Um, so I think the choices you make about what you use and how you appoint your house really has to do with what competition is like in your area. So it's really about knowing your business and knowing it well. And then you're going to be able to make, um, make these choices as just a straight business decision. Did you ever think of just furnishing with the milk crates yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we we do have one house, you know, it has this this light with, you know, it has a light bulb and no shade. And I'm like, it just, you're like, that has just got to get out of here fast, you know. It's not, it's not a good look. And by the way, my answer to the lawnmower <laughs> thing was no. Right. Yeah. You go for your own lawnmower. Yeah. Well, it's just like kids grow up that way most, like a lot of these kids going to university or college mm-hmm. on their parents' dollar a lot of times now. They grow up in that. Mm-hmm. atmosphere right they're growing up with nice stainless steel appliances and uh, granite countertops and things like that that once they go away they want at least something close to that I, I think i see that a lot in what students want nowadays i know it's fascinating i really thought of my kind of student hovel as a badge of honor i mean really we were like so proud of how gross it was <laughs> <laughs> so do you notice the difference or i don't do you have um rentals around universities and colleges I I do I um I do I have m- most of my portfolio is universities but I do have I do have one one college. House. So do you notice a difference then in tenant profile mainly? Uh, yeah, you know it's funny you should say that. Um, I think uh, the, the tenant profile for that particular house has 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 changed. Um, last year was not a good year. It was a new set of tenants, and they were you know that was that one and only house I've ever had to invoke that cleaning clause, and we had to do it over and over and over again Hmm. they were just they were they're gross um and you know but you know there's a whole row of houses that are rentals all together across from the college and none of my other none of the other landlords had that same problem so i just got stuck with a a bad house um but it's a beautiful house so you know we're going to make sure that the people who we rent to are 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 more responsible going forward. It's just all there is to it. So I think it was bad luck, though I have heard that the tenant profile is different for a college and university. I just... Yeah, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, too, that you're turning over the tenants every year. I mean, if you get bad ones, then you're jumping and and singing about it. But if you've got good ones, then you're kind of disappointed that you've got to go try and fill it again. But, I mean, I guess, you know what, and that's just the nature of it, and there's always students looking, so that's another good thing. There's always, always students looking, and, you know, and and I think that student rentals to some extent are are quite recession-proof, right? When when things go really lousy in the economy, people retrench. They go back to school. They, they think of school as the thing they need to propel themselves forward. So people don't stop going to university and college, right? They just don't. So I, I just kind of think that we're forever going to be able to find people to, to, to fill these houses, especially since they're so well-situated what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten about real estate investing in general? Um, I would say that the best piece of real estate, uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was to get, um, was to get myself a real estate coach. So, um, so I'm, I'm just a really big believer that investing in yourself 
is the single, single best way to grow one as an individual and therefore to grow the business that you might have. So, um, so I, I found myself a coach that really aligned with my personal values. And I got to tell you, that is a really important point because there are lots of coaches out there and they are definitely not all created equal. That's for sure. Anyway, she just gave me a wealth of information. She was honest. She was straightforward. She never pretended for one second that growing a really strong rental portfolio didn't take anything other than a huge amount of work, right? So she guided me, she challenged me, she helped me set goals. Um, and most importantly, she steered me away from, you know, some, some trouble spots. So I, I have to tell you that the investment that I made in myself has paid off huge dividends. And I think it did before I'd even finished my first deal. So I, that was just the single best thing I ever did for myself. And, and now I kind of feel like I'm a self-improvement junkie. Like I'll just do it forever. <laughs> Because it always moves me forward. It is always worth it. And sometimes you're like, wow, you know, the investments can seem really hefty. And you're like, well, I'm trying to get this, you know, house or I'm trying to put this down payment. And that's such a big amount of money. But I have never myself ever felt that anything other than it, it paying big dividends. And I've never met anyone either who met someone who aligned with their vision who didn't feel exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. I've done the same thing, and it's just night and day as far as my progress went. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not I, – I just don't look at it as an expenditure. And, you know, if it makes people feel better, you're like, work it into your numbers, right? And just <laughs> right. Um, consider it a part of the purchase for this house, the next two houses, and and you will just see that, that your growth explodes. So it's worth every single penny, I would say. But choose wisely, right? All right, Jillian, so you're now growing your business with partners. How do you, like joint venture partners, how do you typically structure a deal with a, a partner on a rent, on a student rental? Um, so this is a, a growing area for me, and I have to tell you, I am so excited about it. I have some really, really terrific partners on board already, and I, you know, I just love it so much because... When deals are structured in such a way that everyone wins, it's just such a good thing, right? So um, my joint venture program is designed for people who, you know, they really want to invest in real estate over the mid to long term. But for whatever reason, they just, you know, they don't feel like they have the experience, the knowledge, or the time to do it all by themselves. So, you know, by investing with me, they just get to kind of plug right into my team and my system. And they get access to all my experience and my expertise. And then we, we split the deal. So in my in my joint venture program, I mean, typically anyway, um, most of the partners will provide the down payment and then they get all the security of being on, on title with the financing. And they really like that is truly passive real estate investing, right? So I'm the day to day ops manager and they just get to collect their, their cash flow check every mm -hmm. once in a while and, and watch the appreciation of mortgage pay down happen. Which is awesome. I mean, that, that's, that's the type of investing I'd, like to get into eventually too. I mean, I, I kind of do similar to what you do, but I'd love to get on the other side of it as eventually. <laughs> Pretty simple. Yeah. No, it's just it's just it's just nice from an investing perspective where you know you really feel like you're um, you're an active real estate investor without any of the action. You know, like it's all the action is, is left to me. So it really it really is passive. So for for the right type of person, it's it's ideal. And aside from joint venture deals, are there other ways investors can either work with you or learn more about investing in student rentals? Yeah, there is. So um, I, I offer per personal coaching to like a really small group of individuals. And, and my goal there is to assist my clients, one, with identifying identifying their goals and then taking steps towards achieving them. And so, you know, an application for that kind of thing can be found on my website, investinstudentmentals.com. Um, and also on my site is information about a really great online student rental course that, you know, I really think is perfect for any investor who wants to pursue the student rental strategy um, you know, and master, you know, sort of all these intricacies before they jump into it. So, you know, I'd recommend this course to someone who's either just starting out with their investing in student rentals or someone who says, okay, I've got one under my belt and I really want to grow this as a, you know, as a strategy moving forward. So there's, there's course information on my site as well. 
Great. And is that for like our um, listeners here, pretty much nationwide? Is it? Can they be from anywhere? Is it someone that has oh, yeah. to be local or? No, it's an online course. Okay. What about for investing with you? Do they have to be local? Is there any restriction no. on that? No, no, anyone can invest with me. Um, you know, the best bet is to get in touch with me through through my site. Um, you know, there's there's quite a, I wouldn't say rigorous rigorous vetting process, but you know, I think. The right joint venture partner really is about fit, right? So you just, you know, I'm careful to make sure that I work with people who I think will, who will fit with me in my approach and, and vice versa, right? So it really has to be kind of a great partnership. So, and that goes both ways. So you just have to make sure that the fit is right. And we encourage everybody to get in touch with Jillian. If you have any interest in any of this, just to talk to her maybe first and see if there's uh, any questions that she can answer or other things that maybe you're concerned about. But obviously, we endorse her business. And I heard you speak at the Investor Forum. And you've got a lot of knowledge on this. And we encourage everyone to contact you. So if they want to contact you, is that how you would like them to do it? Just through investinstudentrentals.com? So that's one way. If you go to my site and you sign up um, for my newsletter on my site, I actually have a really great um, property analyzer, which I give out for free. Um, so if you go to my site, do sign up for the newsletter so you can get access to that really great, that really great tool. Uh, or you can email me directly at Jillian at JillianIrving.com. So that's G-I-L-L-I-A-N Irving, I-R-V-I-N-G.com. Jillian at JillianIrving.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for getting on here with us today. I know we've had a little bit of problem making our schedules work together, but it's awesome to have you on. And uh, we learned a lot. We really did. And I like that we got to go into this more. And so that was really cool. So thank you for being here again tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me back on your show, you two. I really really appreciate it. It's always a a great pleasure to to chat with you two. All right. Thank you. Well, have a good night. Great. Thanks, Jillian. Thank you. Bye. Bye.